We've had a whole season of pop and play where we celebrated and defended people's right to play, to be creative, imaginative, and to work through possibilities and tensions while knowing the benefits and the limitations of play, to imagine a way forward in a world fraught with violence, racial tension, a global pandemic, the list goes on. We originally recorded this crossover episode with Sonali Rajan, host of Research for Solutions, almost a year ago. And our hope was to explore these same issues of play related to gun access, and in particular, a real Glock 19 made to look like a Lego toy. While we all agreed that this was such an egregious and dangerous use of a child's toy, the recent shooting at Robb Elementary School makes this problem of unfettered access to dangerous weapons glaringly obvious. As we have iterated repeatedly on Research for Solutions, our society, and more explicitly adults, have yet to deal with and appropriately take responsibility for the crisis of gun violence. We watch our grandparents, friends, children die over and over again in gun-related deaths, and we have yet to witness any serious effort to support even the most basic, common sense, and evidence-informed gun reform. Minimal funding to meaningfully invest in the well-being of children and youth, and the continued inequitable distribution of needed resources. Instead, the talk is of more guns, more police, bulletproof backpacks, and armed teachers. And yet, as a nation, we have witnessed lives being stolen, destroyed by guns, repeatedly. We are astounded at how much easier it is to pass policies that limit, survey, and regulate children and their right to play, and their right to simply be children. We blame play for why children can't read, why U.S. test scores are lower than those of our global peers. We even go as far as to blame play for violence. Children's play isn't the problem. It's the work that adults do or too often don't do to create the conditions for children to be safe, joyful, and really just be. So thank you for joining us here to listen and engage, and we hope to be inspired to action. So the challenge with this particular product is now you're taking this deadly weapon and turning it into something that is colorful and attractive and looks very appealing. So my six-year-old who loves Legos and would adore the idea of playing with something that had Legos on it would not be able to help himself, I'm sure, if that kind of weapon was lying around. This is a special crossover episode with our friend Sonali Rajan from the Research for Solutions podcast. A quick content warning. This episode is a bit more serious than a typical pop and play conversation, as we'll be discussing gun violence. We talk a lot about dangerous play in our podcast, and by that we mean play that adults worry about, the kind that makes them want to make rules restricting kids from playing in certain ways. We decided to make this crossover episode to discuss the Block 19, a real handgun that's designed to look like a Lego toy. We discuss what makes the Block 19 problematic, reflect on the ways privilege and marginalization dictates who is allowed to engage in this dangerous play, and consider the responsibility of the adults that design objects and spaces encountered by kids. This episode is guest hosted by Lalitha Vasudevan. She's our good friend and fellow Teachers College professor, as well as the managing director of the Digital Futures Institute at Teachers College. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We have a special crossover episode today featuring hosts of the Pop and Play podcast. We're going to start with Haney Yoon. Hi, Haney. Hey, good to be here, Lalitha. Thanks for joining us. And Nathan Holbert. Hey, everybody. Hey, Nathan. And we are also joined by Research for Solutions host, Sonali Rajan. Hi, Sonali. 
Hi, guys. Good to be here. So thanks to everyone for being here today. The story we're going to discuss has to do with a gun um, manufactured by a company that's made to look like it is made of Legos. To introduce this episode, I'm going to turn it over to Sonali to tell us a little bit more about this issue. What happened was a Utah gun company called Culper Precision basically revealed a design of a Lego-themed pistol kit. And they were marketing this for about $600. At the time, they, the company said, and I quote, here's one of those childhood dreams coming to life. The Block 19 prototype, yes, you can actually build Legos onto it. And for our listeners, if you haven't seen a picture of this, it really is a very colorful looking firearm. And what then happened was that there was immediate um, backlash and public pressure placed on the company to remove this Lego themed pistol kit from the market. And that has since been what has happened. But in the context of those few weeks when people were really debating whether or not this is a safe um, or even reasonable product to be selling, a lot of conversation around the risk that firearms pose to children came up. So the, there's an article that was published on the NPR website. And the quote says, with the colorful Block 19 pistol kit, owners would have been able to use Lego blocks to create their own sights and designs on top of a Glock 19 pistol slide. And what what's what are there alarm bells that go off for you? Yes. So mostly, and I'm saying this with my um, with my mom hat on. So I have a soon to be six year old, and uh, who you all know very well, and. All of us, anybody who has spent time with children know how curious they are, how very good they are at finding tiny little things to play with um, or sharp things to play with. And so part of our job as adults is to help provide an environment in which they can be reasonably safe. And I'm not talking about, you know, safe from every single little thing, but certainly major things and being safe from a loaded gun seems like one of those things we probably want to be mindful of. And so the challenge with this particular product is now you have a an instrument, a weapon that is its only um, purpose is to inflict harm on somebody or some or oneself. And if mishandled in some way, a child could hurt themselves or hurt someone else. And I'll talk later in the episode about some of the numbers around that. Um, you're taking this deadly weapon and turning it into something that is colorful and attractive and looks very appealing. So my six-year-old who loves Legos and would adore the idea of playing with something that had Legos on it would not be able to help himself, I'm sure, if that kind of weapon was lying around. Nathan reminds us that this wasn't just a toy. It was a gun that would look like a toy. It's not even that like, oh, it looks, it looks like a toy. It actually is one of their toys. Uh, and it's, it would be recognizable as one of their toys right away. So, so it's, it's, it's further even from it just being kind of an interesting thing, right? It's, it's actually putting this very dangerous uh, uh, instrument into the toy that kids are already playing with and already sort of feel a sense of ownership over. So there's like the danger here is just kind of like off the charts. I grew up in rural Missouri. And, uh, you know, my friends and I talked about guns a lot. You know, we had we had BB guns. We talked about you know rifles and what kind of rifle we'd get when we were older, and and you know occasionally even with adult supervision, you know we had a chance to shoot uh, guns. 
there's all these times where we see kids uh, engaging in activities, engaging in play that, you know, we, we see it and we think, man, that's, I don't know about that. You know, that maybe they're, maybe they're playing, you know, guns and uh, cops and robbers or something and they're shooting each other or maybe they're, maybe they're using language or words that we find to be kind of problematic. And it's very difficult, I think, to know, you know, how do we respond to that? I think this gun, this this particular Lego gun, it's like that's like a whole nother ball game, right? Like that's just bad across the board. But how do we think about uh, sort of gun play, and how do we think about you know activities that kids engage in, even if it's making using Legos to make pretend guns, right? How do we, how do we think about that as as kind of academics and as as educators and as parents? So, I, I have thought a lot about this recently, which is the ways in which violence or just various things do get sort of embedded in um, play. And, and is that necessarily even a bad thing, just imaginary, you know, just from an imagination perspective? And so do we just open that, like as a parent, do we say, I want you to explore this and have these, you know, think about these things and talk to me about it and, and not make such a big deal about one versus another? Or do we have some clear boundaries? And one of the things that came to mind with this Lego gun was the way in which now we're just normalizing both a, the gun itself and also the fact that it's a thing to play with like the two those the normalization of both of those things for me didn't sit right but I also come at this with a very specific perspective and I know the when you look at really young children this idea of playful violence or things that are read as violent comes up in their play all the time and what do we do with children's imaginations right if they veer into these dangerous territories and and how do we think about that in the context of the fact that this very real weapon is now looking like a toy? Yeah, I think I was thinking about how I was trying to make a list of all the times that I've seen young children play with guns um, and how they don't actually need this Lego colorful whatever toy to make their own Lego version of guns. Like I feel like every classroom I've been in I have like photographic evidence of some kid making a gun with Legos, right? I have a kid who made a gun with base 10 blocks, right? Like they were, you know, they were just like math things. And I remember this other kid was making, was doing his writing and he was doing this narrative and he was in the corner, like talking about how this guy is shooting a gun at the house. And then when the teacher came, he's like, oh, my mom is spraying this water hose onto the grass. For me, I'm like thinking about the larger issue and will, I'm always surprised and Sonali, I'm sure that you could speak to this, how easy it is for people to like ban things or regulate things or do something that feels like a very surface level solution to a very, to a larger problem. I think just because you got rid of these Lego block 19 or whatever it's called, um, you know, whatever, the kit, doesn't mean that you actually get rid of gun violence, right? Just because you make these things not accessible to kids um, doesn't mean that they're not also kind of thinking about these very um, adjacent ideas related to it, whether it's like mental illness, whether it's like poverty, whether it's like the state of how they're living in their neighborhoods or communities or families. You know, I feel like there's like so many other issues that are a lot bigger that we don't actually want to solve. And so we want to solve that like micro 
you know, micro thing, right? Like, okay, everybody has to go to school in a metal detector, right? Or we have to get rid of these gun kits because they're not allowed. Or we have to tell kids in kindergarten that you cannot write about guns or violence, that you cannot play guns or violence, that you can't play anything with war, that you can't say the magic words, right? And it's like, yeah, they're not saying those things to your face because they're smart, right? But they're also like doing these things on the side, right? And part of it, I think, Sonali, to your point, it is imaginative, right? Some of it is imagination. Like a lot of times, like young children are not gonna act on those things, right? But then sometimes they give us like a deeper understanding of like the things that are actually going on in their lives. I was just gonna say, I mean, <clears throat> one thing that's was worth kind of clarifying is this gun, you know, wasn't made for children. Right, it was made for adults, but it's made in a way that reads as if it's a child's toy, and so there is this sort of sense of, you know, who's it for? That's that's just way too messy, right? And 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 even in the articles that, that I read, I read a couple different articles about it. You know, even like gun owners were and like pro gun rights people were like, dude, this is terrible. What what are you thinking? <laughs> like even even you know they were were feeling like um, this was really problematic. But you know, reading about the 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 people who made the gun and, and and produced the gun this sort of idea of you know ah there's it's a sport and we want people to enjoy and, and get a sense of the joy that comes with this sport um, you know okay but but also t- people are dying you know tons and tons and tons and tons of people are dying how do we how do we sort of wrestle with those tensions what are some of the actual um, policies uh, or or ways of thinking that we can we can trying to enact to, to, to address this problem. Where the conversation in this country has gotten a little out of hand in the context of firearms is that any amount of regulation or oversight in the context of firearms feels like an, a, an, a quote, infringement on one's rights, even though we regulate all sorts of other things. Um, the majority of gun owners in this country would agree with this, which is, a gun is a like a car is something that you know we have a responsibility to own to take care of to make sure we you know you wouldn't let your 5-year-old drive your car all three of you are bringing up i think a few things that have really um connected both podcasts right like that you're thinking about sort of what responsibility we have to children and it's hard to hear this uh conversation that's presumably about um, a real weapon that's made to look like a toy and not think about the differential ways that gun laws are applied to people in this country and who is kept safe. So, you know, one, one story that often comes to mind for me when I think about children and guns is the story of Tamir Rice, who was 12, um, when he had, he was playing in the park with a BB gun. Now, this is sort of in the not fully in the weapon range, but it's, it's a BB gun. It's a thing that Nathan, I'm sure you played with when you were younger and growing up in Missouri, as you were talking about. Um, but, you know, within seconds of police being called on him, he was shot and killed. Um, now, this was a BB gun that was made to look like a, a they say, more like a real gun. And so you have sort of, in, in a way, a, a contrasting um, situation Haney reflects on how the example of Tamir Rice illustrates not only how policies and laws are differently applied, but the ways in which identity categories like race and gender 
can lead to differing implications for children's play and responses to young people. I think every time we talk about gun violence or children's play with guns, you can't help but think about black boys, right? And gun play, right? So when you think about things like Legos or when you think about when a black boy in a early childhood classroom plays with some kind of, you know, toy gun or whatever it is, like a little part of your heart stops, right? And you start thinking about the implications of that and how it gets read and all of that. So I think on the one hand, like it's a really sobering moment for adults and teachers and educators to think about that in their own classrooms. And I think that applies not just to black boys when we think about race, but, you know, when we think about gender, right? When we think about dolls, right? And how certain children picking up certain kinds of dolls can have really devastating effects for them, right? So it's not just a gun per se, it's not just that as a toy, but it's also like other kinds of toys, right? That have implications for how, um, you know, young people will move through their schooling, how they'll get read by their teachers and educators, right? How they'll get read by their peers. And I think there is a responsibility that teachers have to talk and think about that with children, right? With young people, with the people that are around them. Haney brings us into pragmatic ways we can, quote, kids safe, and what should be on people's minds as they make choices about the kinds of designs they create in support of children's learning, children's well-being, and children's ability to just live in this world. Let's hear more from her, followed by Nathan and Sonali. I've been watching, okay, I've been watching 13 Reasons Why, which I'm not, I'm not even sure why I keep watching it because I'm like, it feels like very dramatic and a soap opera and a very dark version of Veronica Mars. <laughs> but I think the one part that I keep thinking about is as these young people are trying to navigate that space that is totally toxic, that is filled with all this toxic energy, like where are the adults? Right? Like, where are the adults in trying to help them navigate that space? Not taking over that space and doing it for them, right? But helping them and thinking together with them and collaborating with them and all of that, right? And so as we move back into our classrooms, like, we should think about, like, how different children and different people, de depending on race and class and ethnicity and abilities, right? Like how they get read when they pick up certain kinds of toys. And it's something to consider, right? And something to think about as a teacher in your classroom is how that differentiated treatment plays out, right, in certain spaces. Whenever we create something for a young person to play with, it's a, we have a set of choices we have to make. And we need to be a lot more, I think we need to be substantially more thoughtful about what those choices are and what is, what is um, what values are sort of packed up in those choices? There's no reason. There's no. There's absolutely no reason for a BB gun to look like um, a machine gun or a pistol or something like that, right? But they do. And and why do they do that? I don't know. Because adults think it's cool, and they think that the kids will think it's cool, and then kids do think it's cool, and and whatever, right? And 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 sort of the, you end up with this kind of cycle of of messiness. And um, I think we have to do better as we continue to move forward. I don't think it's a lost cause. We don't have answers to all of this, but Sonali does give us at least one small thing we can do. So on average, about 40,000 people die from firearm injuries every single year. But of all of the people who die from gun violence, the, the accidental death, gun deaths account for maybe 1% of that, like about 450 or so 
gun deaths every year are what we consider accidental shootings. And most of those are children. And the main thing is that people leave their firearms unlocked and loaded and or hidden somewhere, hidden, I'm putting this in air quotes, hidden somewhere where they think a child or their friends can't find it. The thing that we basically, and there's a lot of research that talks about this, is the best way to prevent this is to teach gun owners how to store their guns locked and unloaded. And there's a whole lot of research that has talked about how physicians and pediatricians and um, school nurses and all sorts of people can engage in what we call safe firearm uh, storage efforts or safe gun safety education to basically a normalize conversations around safe gun safety to teach families to ask each other. So if you know my little one's going down to Nathan's house, I would sit for the first time. I could ask Nathan, "Do you have a gun at home? And if so, is it locked and unloaded?" Like normalizing that as part of just parenting conversations. So there's a lot of work, a lot of interesting research that has talked about and looked at these kinds of efforts as a way for us as a society to coexist safely with the, or relatively safely, with the 400 million guns that are in circulation in this country. Thanks to Nathan and Haney from Pop and Play and Sonali from Research for Solutions for joining us for this special episode. I think we left with more questions than answers, but we appreciated being able to discuss and think through the difficult intersection of firearm violence and children's play together. Pop and Play is produced by Haney Yoon, Nathan Holbert, Lalitha Vasudevan, and Joe Rina Ferry at Teachers College, Columbia University with the Digital Futures Institute. This episode was edited by Jen Lee, Joe Rina Ferry, and Billy Collins. For a transcript and to learn more, visit tc.edu slash popandplay. This episode was assistant produced by Lucius Banjo. Original music in this episode was provided by Billy Collins. Our music is selections from Leaf Eater by Poddington Bear, used here under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial license. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.